0: Hello and welcome to Ruth Bears Witness, the podcast where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog posts. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled When Diversity Reflects God's Kingdom. I am traveling in another land I don't know, but I walk with the assurance that I know I belong. It's mine to enjoy. The grass is a rich and blinding green the sky is a surreal blue with iridescent clouds just beyond the hills in the distance to the northeast. I'm hiking and relishing the scenery despite a lack of trees. The grassy hills are endless and I throw back my head and extend my arms as if I'm flying. My heart is at peace and the company I walk with is friendly although I can't say I know who the people are trudging the hills next to me. But as I begin to walk up the side of a hill, I see a man standing up ahead to my right. Those pearly clouds of backdrop setting off the bronze of his shirtless skin. As I approach him, he holds up his hand in front of him to gesture toward me. His gaze is intent and boring into me. Nearly all else around us blurs and fades as he calls out to me from afar. Everyone else is suddenly gone. You are standing on our graves. His voice isn't angry or insulting, just firmly stating facts. I'm taken off guard completely and I falter in my backward steps, wildly looking in all directions, and I implore, I don't know what you mean. His raised arm has not moved and he repeats himself, You are standing on our graves. You're too close to be able to see them when right on top of them. My heart drops into my stomach for the shame of disrespecting hallowed ground, a person's place of rest, and so carelessly. I can barely speak as I offer my deepest apologies. The man lowers his arm, he slowly walks toward me, and there's a tolerant kindness in his eyes, like that of a teacher patiently scaffolding his students' learning the lesson must be taught despite his pupil's unruly behavior. He gestures for me to follow him and we walk down the hill side by side in silence. It takes quite a while to walk the valley and up a new hill toward the south. The only sound beside our footfalls in the grass is a gentle wind stirring the grass for miles around. We reach a spot he chooses carefully, and we turn back around to see the hillside we came from in the distance. It's the blinding green I'd seen before, but from this vantage point, I make out two enormous gray oval-shaped flat rocks on the side of the hill. Half of the oval on the right is covered by the grass. The other can be seen clearly. They are enormous, so big that you may not realize what is there when standing right on it as I had not. In my dream, he whispers into my ear, those are the graves of my people. And we stand in silent awe together as waves of grief wash over me, the tear-filled and trembling ache of seeing for the first time. He patiently holds his grief in quiet resignation. Our only comfort is that we stand witness together. Diversity requires my awareness to shift and to learn from people who are different from me. As a white person, I might have to backtrack and go out of my way to do this. To understand that I may not mean any harm, I am still capable of hurting others in my ignorance. I need to be willing to change my mind. I think of my son's soccer team. They provide such a beautiful example of what a group of diverse people should look like. And be like. My son's team is made up of boys from families hailing from all over the world, including South America, the Middle East, Asia, and Europe. My son is an immigrant from West Africa. English is not the primary language spoken by nearly all teammates and the coach. They are just a solid group of great kids. COVID has tightened the team bonds, and there was a time when all they really had was soccer practice and Fortnite for social experiences. Not long ago, our team played against another team in a predominantly white part of our metropolitan area. The game was going just fine. The other team scored and they were winning for a while, but then our team rallied and began scoring until we pulled ahead. That's when things started to get ugly. They began to play dirty and started mouthing off. And then, The spectators watched as one of our players jerked his head in shock as though he'd been punched in the face, but no one had actually touched him. He was visibly upset and quickly approached our coach. The game was stopped. A few minutes later, it came to light that one of the players on the other team had referred to my son as a fill-in-the-blanks. The venom that poured out of his mouth was so vile and evil that this white teammate, my son's friend, was bowled over by it my son was too far from the offending player to hear it but that did not matter to his teammate he knew that if he did not stop this now it would quickly get out of hand so our coach took class and courage with him as he approached the other team and its coach to address the problem in his heavily accented english he tried to find the right words And as he attempted to, the other coach erupted defensively and yelled, Are you calling us racist? I don't know what else you could possibly call this. And then their coach yelled at our coach to go jump over the fence, presumably to his native country south of the U.S. border. You have to be kidding me. What a hateful bunch of fools. Yes, definitely racist. So our team packed up and forfeited the game. Rightfully so. These young men exemplified what predominantly white Christian churches are currently failing to do. 16-year-old boys have it figured out, and it gives me a lot of hope. From the perspective of my family, our team and this particular teammate proved their mettle. We have zero tolerance for this. What was intended to hurt one teammate hurts the entire team, and our teammate felt the full force of hate, even though it was not directed at him. But that doesn't matter. If the dignity and safety of one player is threatened, then you hurt the whole team. If one player is even injured on the field, then the whole team is impacted. Rather than address the problem and apologize, their coach denied, justified, and then condoned the attitude and behavior with his own racist and hateful language. Game over. Within hours, all witnesses to the events reported what they saw to the league via emails and phone calls from our team. The actions of everyone mattered, and we are grateful to see that this team has each other's back. Winning and losing, even playing a game is irrelevant in these moments. And for us, that means everything. None of them felt the need to defend or justify or explain why there was a problem among the team parents to insist that we continue to play even rather than trying to explain why this wasn't racism as most white and some BIPOC tend to do. They accepted the truth of the situation and they acted. It disturbed them in ways they weren't used to even other people of color. In fact, we had a foster teen staying with us at the time, and she saw the upheaval and disquiet that this incident caused us and the immediate bomb of having a supportive team. She was a young woman of color but had never really seen this before and she tried to explain it away with statements like are you sure they really said that oh they did and i had to teach her a few things about it and it made my stomach churn that even she didn't quite understand it till now it really impacted her though and i believe she sees more clearly now So just like my son's soccer team, if you see the kingdom of God as a collection of people from all over the world, all ethnicities, cultures, people groups who all believe Jesus is Lord, then he says we are all one. We are on the here and now of earth and the supposed there and then of heaven in Revelation seven shows us all encircling the throne, every ethnicity under the sun, a mere fractal in the prism of God's glory. Ethnicity is a part of God's creation. Language, art, food expressions of self and community are, are celebrated all through the Bible. But race is a relatively new construct that people use to glorify whiteness for the sake of dehumanizing people of color. This is called racial hierarchy as well. And it's meant to subjugate through slave labor or appropriating property from people people of color in our nation's history. It is the ugly underside of our nation's history. One people group exercising dominion over another is not part of God's plan. It's evil. In the book of Acts, we see Paul making provisions and safeguards to ensure equity between the Jewish folks who were the elite from their religious status and to develop love and welcome of the Gentiles into God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, we are all equal parts of a divine family, even if we aren't all the same. And through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. You can find examples of this in Ephesians chapter one, verse five, chapter two, verse nineteen, chapter three, verse six, Galatians four, five through seven. John chapter 1 verse 13 just to name a few and we are spiritually born again into a new family adopted under Jesus's lordship if one part of the body of Christ is a hurt then every part is hurt according to 1 Corinthians 12 we must listen to the parts who are hurting and call out the injustice we see or hear about and make it right We will not be hearing about it from the most powerful or those who have position and privilege to lose and protect. The ones who don't experience racial harm and trauma. They will justify power abuses. They are the false prophets of our time claiming to want unity, but it is only under their own terms. You may unify only if it's my way, but don't talk about the problems that are here. That's divisive. That's not the way of Jesus. We expose the wound for healing and we speak the truth. Not only do we speak the truth of what is happening, but we accept the uncomfortable truth. Everything else is just a wayward lie at worst or distracting opinion at best. The man in my dream is a brother, an image bearer from another people group. His grief and loss became mine once I was willing to see it and share in it. I can't ignore it anymore. As Rich Viotas recently posted on Instagram, how can you love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor? Divine diversity doesn't just bring people in one room to stand together to say, hey, look, we're all different. Isn't that cool? Diversity in God's kingdom embraces community and shares space. It makes room at the table of honor and gives others the floor to speak and to share in their God-given way. It loves one another and bears with one another. Divine diversity works through the hard things as a team does. Divine diversity listens intently. If we don't understand it, we commit to learning rather than explaining it away. And then we stop what we are doing to stand against what is truly evil. Divine diversity requires something from everyone. Sometimes we forfeit the soccer game. Sometimes we hike out of our way to another hill to look at from another vantage point. It requires relational intimacy outside of our comfort zones. White Christians, if 16-year-old boys can exemplify God's kingdom, why can't we?